Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, founder and CEO of Tribal Knowledge Podcasting, and my guest is Stephanie Barbosa, Senior Director of Marketing at Conquest Planning, a financial planning software. Stephanie, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me. So tell us about the company. Tell us about uh, Conquest Planning. Yeah, Conquest Planning is a, uh, as you mentioned, financial planning software company. We are three years old officially, but have actually only been in market since January of this year. So a couple of years of product development before we, we launched and went live. The company is growing very quickly is taking off. It's just absolutely wild watching this this company grow the way it has. I joined the team in July. I was actually at another financial technology company. I've sort of been in the fintech space for a while. And I was recruited by the VP of sales and marketing, Stacy, and um, had no intention of making a move to anywhere. I was happy with my previous role. And then when I started to learn about what was happening over in this company, I was like, I have to be a part of this. One of the one of the bigger things that I think is important to mention is that this company is not just building a financial planning software. The core of the reason the company exists is really to make financial planning easier and faster so that more people will be in financial plans. The belief is that people don't have access to good financial advice. And what we are aiming to achieve is getting more people access to better financial advice. Okay, thanks for that. So who are your main sales targets? It's funny because who isn't really a person in our case, because we really are working very closely with a lot of enterprise organizations. So there's not actually a person per se, if I was to do like a persona mm -hmm. there. But we are currently working with a lot of the wealth management firms. So a lot of the larger firms that employ lots of financial advisors, that sort of thing. We're also finding a niche in the insurance space. So some of the insurance ben group benefits, that sort of thing, we have started to integrate in some of those platforms so that their uh, investments and, and advisors can bring our product to the end user client and, and sort of help them with their overall portfolio. So some of the things that they may be managing outside of uh, like the financial or or wealth management stuff, they're actually able to layer that in with, with what we're able to offer. We recently partnered with Sun Life and Sun Life is actually making our product accessible to the end user. So that's the first time that that's happening. So extremely exciting and probably paving the way for a lot of really big things in the near future. That is exciting. That's awesome. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you're the first like official marketing person the company brought in, right? Yeah, so we have Brad, who's the chief revenue officer, oversees all sales marketing, all revenue related activities, of course. And then Stacy, who I report into, she's the VP of sales and marketing, but they are all managing all of the moving pieces within those departments or mm -hmm. within this department, whereas I'm the first solely dedicated marketing person. So my entire world is to focus on the marketing activities. Right. And, and I think it's pretty common in a company like yours that's growing quickly that they realize, okay, we need to have someone who's fully uh, dedicated to marketing and often for specific reasons. And I know with you guys, it was that before you came on, really all the focus or most of the focus was on, was on the product and just making the product as good as it can possibly be. And a lot of the marketing revolved around that. It was kind of product-centered marketing and that they brought you in to, to to move the company more towards what you what we'll we'll call brand marketing as opposed right. to product centered marketing. So first of all, what's the difference there 
And why and why is that an important difference? Yeah, I will just take a step back and, and clarify a little bit on the objectives prior to me coming into the company or why I sure. became a need at a certain point. So our product was founded by a very strong team who has a great reputation across Canada, especially in the financial planning space. They developed a, the basically the product that is integrated in most existing large organizations right now that have a financial planning arm. So when they first went to market, leveraging that reputation was extremely easy have the conversation, say, hey, I know you're using ABC product. The person who created that, that's who created this product, which is even better. And it was easy to open those doors. But now that we are, well, we've recently secured contracts and we're moving to expand into the UK. We're also going to be probably expanding into the US pretty shortly. I know there's some conversations around Japan and some other countries as well. So as we're looking to expand globally, that reputation doesn't have the same recognition. It it holds a lot of weight still, but it's not the same door opener as it is here. And that's when it became clear, we need to have somebody who can help us really refine some of the messaging and make it so that people who don't know who we are or where we came from prior to this company existing can really get a good feel for what we bring to the table or why we should even be able to have that conversation. So, but to take that, to answer your question with regards to brand versus product, this is probably the conversation I've had to have, you know, over the last eight to 10 years of my life. Right? It's not an easy thing mm -hmm. for people to understand. A lot of people who are not in the marketing space go, brand, that's the logo, that's the assets, it's the colors. They, they think, you know, the, what the website looks like, that's the brand. And that's, it's part of the brand. But what the brand is, is the feeling that you get when you engage with that particular organization. So when you think about Apple, Apple has a brand that makes you feel a certain way when you engage with its product, good, bad, or otherwise, you have a feeling and you have a emotional relationship with that product. That's what the brand represents. The product is the awesome features that we bring to the table and the things that we do that really are innovative. And, you know, I hate to say this because it sounds like I'm pitching and I'm not, but it really is just beyond intuitive and, and really more innovative than anything else that I have seen that exists in the same space. And those are great things, but those are not the things that are necessarily going to build the relationship or earn the ability to have a conversation with somebody who could potentially purchase the product. So that's where brand comes in. So both things are very important, but they are also, it's very important to have a strategy for both separately. Yeah. So as you're moving into these new markets, the UK, the US probably, why is it important to build out your brand marketing? The brand represents who we it represents the relationship. So can I take a step back there? Yeah, of and course. I, I thought I was going to answer a different, I just, I was going to answer a different question and then I was like a little unprepared. So it's important to have the brand. Sorry, I throw, I'm, 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 this is a kind of a follow-up. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Sorry, so I think we brand, have a bit of a delay. Sorry, go ahead. I'm noticing that that's okay. So the brand relationship is important when you're moving into a new country because the needs of those of those individuals may be different than where what they are in Canada, the language that you're using, that sort of thing. But at the end of mm -hmm. the day, you have to have a consistent tone in what you're delivering. So the marketing materials that I will design for our UK counterparts will have, you know, there's going to be different mentions of the types of insurance that they have, for example, or the types of um, taxes. They're all labeled differently every in every country. But at the end of the day, the core of who our company is remains the same, regardless of what country we're in. Even when it's in Japanese and somebody is localizing it for that market, they'll still be taking the same messaging and we're still going to have that same representation and that consistent who is conquest planning. It's got to, it's got to be sharp and clear. 
Yeah. Okay. So I know part of your plan for developing the Concust brand is by developing a robust thought leadership program. So first of all, why? Why is thought leadership important for for building a brand? It's such an essential part of building a brand. I I think every company should do it. And it, any company that's not even, not considering thought leadership is probably at a disservice. Thought leadership really helps position you as the company that should be heard. So thought leadership takes lots of forms. Lots of companies do, you know, maybe they'll do a white paper or they'll, you know, they'll do research and studies and they'll fund those sort of things. And those things can be great depending on who you are and what your goals are. Um, in our case, we have a lot of really strong, talented individuals who are working within this organization of all capacities. So, um, you know, as I mentioned, our team that the founding team was highly successful in this space for like five, six, seven years ago, you know, all the way up to 10 years ago, there's a lot to be said for leveraging that that reputation when you're going to market. The other thing is we have a lot of strong personalities and strong talent within the organization that can speak to their own talents. Even just what I'm doing with you here right now speaks to them having talent on staff who is, mm. you know, understands marketing in a very advanced way, you know, Stacy and Brad on our sales team and Theo in the past few weeks, especially because we're right now we're sort of in trade show season. They've been doing tons of appearances and talks at different at financial advisor events, speaking to how technology is integrating into to the financial space and, and that sort of thing. And they also represent, you know, how sales has a relationship with this industry. And they're really strong, like extremely um well-groomed individuals that that are so articulate and so you know interesting to listen to the ceo he speaks anytime i can get a microphone in front of him he says yes so like we have all these great people that know a lot about the industry beyond what our product is and it's important to have that as part of your overall branding to make sure that people know that you know there are really strong minds in behind the scenes so there's a study that came out I think it was this year by Gartner and LinkedIn that showed that decision makers really value thought leadership content, but that they find the majority of it to be either average or kind of subpar. And it's rare that they come across thought leadership that's like A plus, really good. So obviously, if you're if you're taking the time to produce this kind of content, you want it to be at the highest level. What's your strategy for doing that, for creating the kind of content that the decision makers you care about are going to engage with and be like, yeah, this is really, really good? So there's multiple things that come to play. One of the main things I would say, if there's anything somebody who's looking at developing a thought leadership strategy could take away from this conversation is thought leadership has to be absent of your product. You cannot have any, even a smell of the product marketing um, in there. Of course, I'm representing, you know, myself as a marketing professional and a part of Conquest Planning. Those two things definitely belong in this conversation. But, and I'm just using this as an example. If I came in here and told you how to market Conquest Planning, you're not going to take me seriously as a marketer. I need to talk to you about marketing in a way that's valuable to you. I have a rule that we, as much as we can, we do not push our product related content on social more than 20% of the time. So 80% of our content is either supporting other parallel industries. So there's other fintechs that are doing really well that are also, you know, supporting the same overarching goal of, you know, improving financial literacy for everybody, those sorts of 
companies I love to, you know, to really put some focus on and emphasize what they're doing. We do a lot of content that focuses uh, just on our thoughts around financial literacy or around why it's an important topic or, uh, you know, events that are happening and they aren't necessarily related to us. At the end of the day, you want to add value to your end user and the end user knows you, exi you exist. If they're following you, they know who you are. They know what you do probably. If they want to know more, they're going to book a demo. They're going to go to your YouTube page. They're going to click the, you know, click the videos and they'll go through all of that content. It exists and it's there, but your thought leadership content really has to be absent of marketing. It has to be all about how do I add value to the conversation to the person who is, is participating in it with me. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. And in fact, you, you already sort of covered the last question, which I always ask is what's a takeaway, a main takeaway for our audience. So, so you were, you, you anticipated and you, we already covered that, which is awesome. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it seems like, on the one hand, it seems so obvious, like if you're trying to be a thought leader, you can't just talk about yourself, right? You have to yeah. really make a point of talking about wider trends in the industry. And yet, given that a lot of thought leadership content apparently falls short, it seems like a lot of companies still are talking about themselves, or even if they're not, somehow in the way that they're trying to talk about the wider trends just isn't landing, you know, like, wh why, why do you think that is that so much thought leadership content is found to be not so great? So I have two schools of thought on this. One is, I think in some marketing teams, there is a, it is tricky to tell the rest of the company that talking about the product all the time isn't the best thing to do. Sales doesn't usually want to hear that in my company, mm -hmm. they're great, and they understand. But I have been in environments where the only, you know, the only thing everybody wants to hear is how we're going to talk about the product in different ways and how do we promote how the tools work and, you know, getting budget to do things that aren't specifically pushing for a sales call or that don't have, you know, really clear ROI measurable results is very challenging to do in certain environments. And I think sometimes marketing wants to do it the right way, but maybe doesn't have the capacity to do it that way. And then to go, you know, sort of to the other mm -hmm. side is being able to have that conversation internally in a respectful way where you can explain the value to the end user and why talking to them about things that makes them want to have a relationship with your company that isn't about your product is very important so that you can have that. So you've earned the right to have the conversation about the product, especially when yeah. you're working with, I work with so many passionate individuals and it's, you know, they don't always get the clear divide between the two things or why they're important. And sometimes I've had to have conversations that go, the product is amazing. The product is, it's phenomenal on its own, but nobody wants to be advertised at all the time. They want to have a reason to, yeah. to think about conquest planning. They want to have a reason to visit our website and learn a little more about other things, or they want to visit our social and, en and enjoy that um, experience. And then we also get to integrate the really cool things we do. So it's, it's about having a quality conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Stephanie, there's so much more we could talk about, but I've already taken enough of your time. So thank you so much for your time, for a great conversation, for all of it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was great. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.